Hello and welcome along. It's another edition of the Super Six podcast. And Laura Woods, Bayak and Fenway. He is back. Hi, Bayo. Hi, what's going on, LW? You missed me. Did yeah? It was quite lonely, yeah. actually. Yeah. Yeah, you did. I, listen, I apologise, Ati. You know what I'm saying? I wanted to do it, but I couldn't. You know, it's you one got of the bigger ones. fish to fry, right? Nah, come on, you're the biggest fish. You get what I'm saying? See how I did this? The biggest fish because, come on now, congratulations is in order, right here. <laughs> Big time. LW, congrats. Talk to me. For the people that don't know, what did you win, LW? So I won. Oh, it's so, it's like, I'm quite, not like embarrassed about it, but I'm quite shy about it because I'm That's really... a lie. What are you talking about? You was tweeting me like, hey, I'm the best and this, I'm the best, <laughs> putting up pictures. Are you shy? I don't lie. Oh, that rhymes. That's a double entendre. <laughs> God. Don't let the world know, man. You deserve it. And that's so, not just because so, you're my, you deserve it. Go on. Uh, I won, so I won an SJA award for best sports presenter, basically, for 2020. And um, yeah, I, like, I didn't expect it. So it was, it was actually genuinely, it was one of those things where you're like, I, I was thinking about, I was like, I was like, how do I kind of do this gracefully? Do you know what I mean? Like, how do I kind of accept that I've not won, a, won it gracefully? Because when the, um, when the awards show started, you, you couldn't see any of us and we, we weren't invited to do like any kind of interviews or anything like that live. But when the award show started, like I was on Zoom with all of my colleagues and then we had the award show like on another window and it was all pre-recorded. And one of the first awards, they interviewed the winner, but they'd done it like a week ago or something. So then all of us that were nominated were like, oh, and like we all like our hearts sank because we were like, well, they've oh, already interviewed yeah. the winners and they didn't okay, interview me, so I've yeah. not won. And then as the show went on and I progressively drank more champagne on my own in my house, I noticed that some were being interviewed and some weren't. And I was like, oh, and I got a little bit of hope. And then they announced my name. And honestly, I was just so bowled over. I cried. I was just like, it was it was well oh, emotional. Like, so did you get interviewed? Oh, once they said your name, did you get interviewed or nothing then? No, they were like, she speaks enough. <laughs> oh, so <laughs> normally... So with COVID, you would have actually gone. There would have actually been yeah, an award. Yeah, we would have had oh. a big ceremony and stuff like that. So yeah, we missed out on that. But at the same time, I don't know. Like I, I kind of feel like a big part of probably why I won that award is because we've had like this incredibly mad year. And I started my job on the breakfast show the, the day lockdown started. So in a way, it kind of it feels like it feels right that it should be like a Zoom call. Do you know what I mean? Because that's what yeah. this whole this whole year yeah. has been a Zoom call. So no, but what that just shows is that you've helped the nation throughout oh. this unprecedented year. You've helped this nation. All right, listen, Tom. Oh. I told you I'll say that, so you owe me that hundred pound for saying that nonsense. <laughs> I'm just nah. Listen, come on now. I, I'm proud of you. When Thank I saw the tweet and I saw your message, I'm proud of you, man. Um, I've learned so much from you. So keep shining. Keep shining. Oh, bio. But you know what? There's always one thing, just so we be a bit like schmushy for a second. But there is one thing that I I noticed this year in that, like, even though it's like an individual award and it's great to win it, everyone you work with is so important in this industry because it's like they kind of build you up and they give you confidence and they lift you up. So like, and you're a part of that as well. So um, so thank you. Ah, oh, LW, come on. <sighs> Anyway, should we go should we go back to taking the mick out of each other or what? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I know. We've done that, man. I'll give you your props now. You want to know why man's rocking my Liverpool shirt? Why? Huh? Because we got why? a special... Well, should I say special get... No, to be fair, I actually, I actually checked for the guy. Do you know what I'm saying? He's a cool guy, but he plays for my team's rival. So you know I had to put this on just to let him know that, yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? You're bantering him, right? 
Yeah, yeah, it's a little banter. That's banter. You know what I mean? If you, like, look at the table at the moment, even though you're ahead of them, they do have a game in hand. So you're, like, 6th, 29 games, 46 points. They're 7th, 28 games, 46 points. Are you worried a little bit? Are you worried? No, 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 no. I'm not even worried. I'm a little bit. I am a little bit. But but it's a little bit. Listen, it's been an unprecedented season for us. Um, (laughs) But I know we're going to come good. So that's why I'm repping. So let's get him on out here. Let's get him on. Let's get him on, because our next guest is a very special man. Uh, he's really come into his own in the last couple of seasons, especially this season. Um, he's playing with an incredible manager, an incredible coach. He's playing for a great team as well, and he's having a great, great time. Special day to get him on as well, because the England squad has just been announced about 10 minutes ago. Uh, so without further ado, let's meet this week's guest. Come on. Predict six correct scores on Super 6 this week for a chance to win £250,000. Download the app and play by 3pm on Saturday. Head to skysports.com forward slash Super 6 for more details. Okay, so it's time to welcome this week's guest to the show. Um, Just been called up once again to England, so um, we congratulate him for that. It is, of course, Everton's front man. It's Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Hello. Thank you. Happy to be here. What's going on, DCO? You good? I'm good, man. How are you? Yeah, I can't complain out here. You know, just repping my attire. Um, yeah, I'm just, yeah. Listen, I'm just repping my attire. You're the yeah. only one that's made me feel like, nah, today I've got to go and rep my attire. <laughs> you know why? Because I'm hating on you slightly, but we'll tackle that later. Like, but yeah, first, yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. We'll, we'll get, get to that. that. We'll get to that. Hey, congratulations on the England call-up. Um, Thank you. Tell me, because I haven't been in this, in this predicament ever in my career. So <laughs> first... How do you find out when you get called up? I found out about it gets announced at two o'clock and I got a text message about... Where, on your phone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I beg, I beg, show us the text message. Show us the text message. Show us the text message. Show us. Like, um, hang on. Is it from Southgate himself? Do you have his number saved on your phone? uh... Is it saved as Gaza? Yeah, what have you got his his name saved as? Am I allowed to show you? I don't know if I... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're allowed, man. We're cool, man. We got, yeah, we're cool, man. Maybe read it. It seems like a lot. What does it say? It's from Emily uh, in the FA and it kind of says like, good morning, Dom, hope you're well. Please confirm you've been selected for England men's senior squad. So forth, so forth. And you get like the the details kind of thing. The itinerary. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Congratulations, man. Congratulations. The first time I got called up, sitting, obviously, I know that like the lads that have been called up for England before, they, they get a text message like an hour before the squad's announced. So, I remember the, when I was kind of hoping to get called up for the first time, I was sitting there. Uh, I think I went out to train and I come back in from training and I was thinking, I hope I've got a text, hope I've got a text. And I got back to my phone and I actually had a, a text from Gareth and a text from, from Emily at the FA saying, obviously, I've been called up. So as soon as I got that, I knew obviously before it got announced and I was buzzing, I just calling my family and stuff, letting them know that I've been called up. So is it like the first time you get called up, Gareth will message you and, and say like a special congratulations? Uh, I think so, yeah. I That's think quite so. Nice, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when the next you... times he's like, "Don't worry about it." <laughs> but what I'm curious about is, so is it just a number, isn't it? Because I, you didn't have his number saved, or do you just does he just send out his number to every Premiership English player out there? So I'm trying to figure out, brother. So is it just a number, and you're like, oh, "Who's this?" And then at the end, it says Gareth Southgate. Is that how it runs? Pretty much, Pretty much <laughs> like that. That's sad. So does he sign it? What's up? And then it's uh, does he sign it off? Does he sign it off with like Gareth Southgate or Gareth or? I think Gareth. I think it was Gareth. Gareth. Wow. 
What? Look at us. Why are we such children? I know, but I'm giggly, you know. I'm very excited for you, you know. I'm like... You're all excited. (laughs) Look at all of us. It's so weird, isn't it? Do you know what else is funny is, like, if you're listening and you're not watching, um, so if you're not, like, I don't know, however else you can see it, you won't see what Bio was talking about earlier on was the fact that he is wearing a Liverpool shirt. So he sat here saying he's really excited about Dominic coming on and he sat in a Liverpool shirt. It's so, it's like... No, no, no. Do you know what? So let me say this, let me say this, let me say this in it. So I'm going to put this out at the beginning, like (laughs) right now, yeah? And you would see this on record because I've said this before. I rate DCL highly, you know, and even though he plays for my rival team, that's how much I rate him highly. So even though... How highly? Like highly, like highly, like, 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 like highly, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? No, no, I rate him highly. Listen, like all, like as a footballer, um, and as an outside man, has seen him develop. Um, and we'll, listen, we'll touch into that. So even though I'm repping Liverpool and he plays for, you know, man's rivals and that. Nah, real talk, man. I'm I'm, I'm excited for him and I'm proud and I think he's going to continue to grow. So oh I'll put that out there just yeah. so people know and that. And then we'll, I'll, I'll attack him later on when we touch on the Liverpool and, and, and Everton sagas. You know, when I was on the loan at Northampton, we played against each other. Yes, you've got a bio oh. story. Look, he doesn't remember. Whoa, 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 whoa. Because I was oh. about to ask the question. Hey, go on. Let's go. Because I was going to oh. ask the question when you went on loan, you know, yeah. was you intimidated by the strikers that was before you that wore number 10? That's what I was going to ask you, but I didn't know. Well, talk to me. How did the game go? Yeah, so basically, uh, Mark Richards was ahead of me. He was he was a skipper at Northampton when I went on loan there. So I kind of went as his, his understudy, really, to fill in. Yeah if he picked up injuries and he got injured a fair bit at that, that time. And uh, so I, I got, I got my chance and we played against you. You was at, I think it was Wimbledon, was it? Wimbledon. It would have either been Wimbledon or Gillingham. Wimbledon. You was at, it, was a, it was a cold Tuesday night away at Wimbledon. And you, all I remember from you, he's looking at you thinking, you've got the biggest arms I've ever seen on a football <laughs> in my life. And obviously you're playing up top, so I'm I'm the opposite end of the pitch. Yeah. And I, I, the way I play, I'm more of like a jump, like I jump and, and try and flick headers. Yeah. Just slinging the forearm out, <laughs> just holding on there and just, just letting it skin off the top of your head. Yeah, bro, listen. Everybody that knows, this is why I shave my head. I don't jump, but I let it bounce off the top of my the ball, head. I play the ball, skin off the head. <laughs> 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 So what? Did, hey, but I beg, we didn't have no corners and that. Did we have a little square up on that? And I would have loved that. Jeez, I would have loved that. I know, man. I know. I was, I was, I was a little bit smaller, a little bit skinnier at the time as well. So I was the just... worst thing is, I'm trying to think. I don't think I've ever, when I've played against Northampton, I definitely know I haven't scored against them. I can't even think that I've even beat them. So maybe you beat us that game. I think it might have been one-one. Maybe, maybe we did draw. I've drawn a lot against Northampton. I was just going to say actually, because Northampton was like 2015, wasn't it? How old would you have been then? I was 19. You were 19? By the way, I have to say... 18, um, ha- maybe 18. I get it mixed up. I think I was 19. Happy birthday, because you've just had your birthday as well, haven't you? Thank you, yeah. It was two days ago. Oh, happy belated birthday, brother. How old are you now? 24. Oh, my He's days. He's a baby. You're a pop. Jeez, <laughs> DCL. Oh. You know what? I woke up on my birthday and I thought, stepped out of bed, I thought, I feel a little bit different, you know? <laughs> I looked in the mirror and I was like, thinking, I'm a man, I'm a man. <laughs> <laughs> you can grow a proper beard as well. Look, I've noticed that. No, I know. No. Proper beard. How long is the hair now? The hair is ridiculously long now. It's, a, it's getting uncontrollable, really. But I've, I just, because I don't know what to do with it, I'm just letting it grow. 
just leave it, right? Because yes. it looks good. Like, yeah. how long has it been growing for? I mean, obviously all your life, well, but I've like... Grown it pretty much. <laughs> the start of last lockdown. Uh, well, the that... start of uh, about a year ago, yeah. Wow. Look, we're we're going like way off topic here um, <laughs> because obviously, like we have a running order that we're supposed to stick to. We've obviously just got complete bias. Like, no. yeah, we don't really yeah, stick we to never it. Never stick to it. Like you mentioned Northampton, and then we were like, oh wait, that's further down the running order. Like, what are we gonna do? You know, whatever. So maybe we'll take it back a little bit um, yeah. to where it kind of started as well, and then eventually we'll get to the point that Everton at the moment is sitting quite pretty in the league compared to Liverpool. So um, of course we'll cover that. But I know you want to. <laughs> Let's take you back to Sheffield United. <laughs> Let's take you back to Sheffield United. So you joined the Youth Academy. Was it in 2005? You probably know more than me. I do. It was definitely 2005. (laughs) So you joined the Youth Academy Sheffield United 2005. What was that like, you know, walking into somewhere like a Youth Academy, somewhere like Sheffield United and and the setup? What was it like there? It was was very good. It was, I, I just loved football, loved playing football. And I played for my Sunday league team at the time. And I remember... I actually used to train with Sheffield Wednesday because it was more local. So I used to go there probably more often. And there was a, like a few of us that trained with Sheffield Wednesday and Sheffield United at the same time before you actually sign up to an academy. So it didn't be like under eights, uh, under sevens, under eights. And I remember I went on a, I kind of felt like I wanted to go and play for Sheffield United. I supported Sheffield United. So I went to a Saturday session, which was kind of like loads of kids that was kind of like put on. And I remember I did like half the session and then Scott Sellers, who was the quite high up at the time in the academy, walked over and just said, are you, are you Dom Calvert-Lewin? Obviously, little me, I was like, yeah. He's like, oh, come, come with me. And he took me over to basically the, the 10 players that were, they were looking to sign up to the academy. And I finished the rest of the training session with them. And then from then on, I, I, I was at Sheffield United playing Saturdays and and all the way through the week and then signed for Sheffield United. Wow. I could tell you've got a love for football. Yeah. So that would have transpired back then. So going through the process of signing up an academy, here you're playing in all different positions. Yeah. Body size, like you said, you're a little bit smaller. What trials and tribulations did you have as a youngster? Did you ever have, I oh, listen, you was always quick, but what was that? What was the, the trials and tribulations that you had being a youngster? Yeah, so for me, I was always kind of quicker than everybody else. And I was a centre midfielder because I could just cover ground and I'd get up and down the pitch, I'd tackle, score goals. I was a bit of a box-to-box midfielder, really. And I was a box-to-box midfielder up until the age of 17. In that time, even in the youth team, when I was 16, 17, 18, I was tried at, like, centre mid, up top, centre-half. I played centre-half in the fifth round of the, really? youth, uh, yeah, of the youth cup. When I Were was- you any good? Against Everton as well, funnily what? enough. That's so weird. And in, that, in that one game, I started centre half, went to up top, then went right mid, and then finished the game at right back. So I kind of <laughs> didn't know what my best position was until yeah. the decision came to obviously become a striker. But in terms of like trials and tribulations that I came across, I grew quite a lot when I hit the age of like 15, and I got a stress fracture in my lower back when I was 15, and then that kept me out for about six months. So I was kind of on a roll and I was on fire and then I got hit with injuries and setbacks and all of a sudden, you know, lads started to kind of catch me up and, and you know, went past me and, and mentally as a, as a kid, when you've always kind of been up there, that was quite hard to deal with because my body was letting me down and I had like Osgood slatters, growing pains, anything you can think of, I had it for about two years from the ages of 15 to 17 
it was about kind of just getting used to my long, gangly body again. And then, <laughs> yeah, and then I got I started to get back fit and, and went to be a centre forward. Who made that? Like, when did you decide that was your position? Like, did someone advise you? Did you sound better here, or how did that come about? So it's a funny story, really. I was with the under 18s away at Cardiff. We had a few, and I was a more like I was a second year scholar, really, just going into my second year scholar. And you know, I'm wanting to be in the first team. I'm pushing to be in the first team, and I'm not really, quite, I'm not quite there. So for me, it was getting frustrating, and my coach Travis Binion at the time could see it that it, that I was getting frustrated. And basically, I don't, I personally don't think I played that bad in the centre of park away at Cardiff. But we come in after the game. And he's, he's giving it, he's, he's having a go at us and he's basically coming for me saying, um, you need to pull your finger out, basically. Um, and I think it was just his own frustration of wanting to wanting me to do well and kind yeah. of seeing where I was at, at a roadblock. So after I got, I don't know what the right word is, like a telling off, basically. A rollicking. Yeah, yeah, yeah rollicking. a rollicking. Yeah. He said, come in um, the following day on a Sunday. Um, everybody else is off. He's like, come in for a coffee with me and the academy manager, Nick Fox. And they sat me down and we went through England players my age that were getting in the England team, you know, where I kind of wanted to be, my dreams and goals. And then they just sat around and said, if we said to anybody about your stature and your best attributes, they'd probably put you as a centre-forward on paper. So we're going to try you as a centre-forward. And it was like a, the penny, something switched. Yeah. It was like a new lease of life. It was almost like, you know, I can, I can, I can see it. I, I feel like I've got a chance again. And I played in the 18s for a little bit, and then I went on a that leads to Staley Bridge when I was 17, and I went on to, to the Conference North to Staley Bridge over Christmas. Scored six. In, that was one of like my, but still to this day, one of my favourite experiences as a football player. It was my first ever men's taste of men's football, rough and tumble, and I always loved the physical battle. And it was just I got bashed about, I scored goals, celebrated in front of fans, and. Yeah. It was, uh, it's an experience that I'll always hold close. And that's it, you're hooked then. That's really young as well. I always think this is crazy about, about footballers. You're so young to go through the experiences that you do and experience the setbacks that you do at such an early age to then kind of go, right, let's go again. Because like, it's a real family thing, isn't it? Because I know that you and your dad are quite close. And when you got your call up, um, your dad tweeted. And I think a lot of people saw that and, and just thought it was a really nice touch And because and, it's nice to see that sort of family element. So your whole family must have had a big influence on, on getting you to where you are. Massively, yeah. I'm very grateful and very fortunate to have had the the foundation that I've I've got around me and, and the family that I've got around me. And you know, my mum and dad haven't been together in my lifetime, but they've always had a love for me and and you know wanted the best for me in terms of football. So you know, people, my nan, my granddad, my dad, my mum, you know, all used to chip in to get me to training and and things like that and pick me up from training and. They've all played different roles in who I've been able to lean on, basically, kind of when I've going, been going through tough times or in the highs. And my dad's saying, you know, keep your feet on the ground. Um, you've still got work to do. Or I'm feeling a bit downtrodden and I, I need a hug from my mum. So I'm, I'm very grateful for that. And they've always been there kind of to, to help me along the way. Yeah. See, I think that's massive. Uh, we've, we've touched on this over this podcast over... Um, over the the weeks about a solid foundation and how important that plays, you know, and LW's touched on it in the sense where we as footballers, it is so mentally draining, which people do not see. 
And, right. you know, at, listen, I'm a father of five. My son's 11 and he wants to get into the football and he's going to go through them ups and downs, which you all go through in life. But yeah. as a footballer, it comes much earlier. So oh, 16, 17 are telling me you're not good enough. And then you have to go out and attack adult stuff when you're still a kid. And I, I think sometimes people do not see that side of it. You know, they only see, not what they want to see, but it's mentally draining how important it is to have a foundation, like you said. Yeah, nothing, nothing, you know, as a young player, you, you prepare technically, tactically, you know, you play football, but nothing prepares you for the mental battles and that, that you come across. And yeah, that's, that's in all walks of life. You know, you're a young, you're a young man making your way in life and in the game, but then you have certain pressures from, it might even come from your family or, it might be football related and nothing can mentally prepare you for what you what you come across. So you see young yeah. boys that, you know, perhaps get targeted in the media and things like that. Nobody really knows truly, you know, how they feel or what's what's going on. You just know yeah. known as the footballer. But mm -hmm. really, you know, you're, you're human beings at the end of the day. So we, you all go through kind of the same battles as everyone else. But I think as footballers, you get exposed to it in a grander scale and at much earlier in life. Yeah. Have you experienced that yet? Have you have you had that kind of like the the uh, the sharp tongue of the media or the the sharp focus on you? I think so. Yeah. I think you know it's it's kind of there's, there's levels, and I think I I experienced it at Sheffield United where you know there was rumours that Everton was coming for me, coming in for me, and I was going to go to Everton for a, a million pound or whatever it was. And you know at that time I'm a kid that uses social media and Twitter and things like that. And, you know, I've got Sheffield United fans saying, you know, we'll walk him there, we'll, ca we'll carry him there. You know, wanting, wanting me to go. Yeah. So as a, as a boiled Sheffield United fan, that still, that still kind of cuts me deep a little bit, you know, because mm. it's, it's, it's not how I envisioned my Sheffield United career going. But one thing I, I would say to young players is you flip it on its head and use it as motivation to prove people wrong at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. And that's what yeah. I've always tried to do. And then yeah. I went to Everton and you deal with... You know, it's 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 levels. You know, the higher up you get, if you're under more and more scrutiny as a football player, so it's you have to kind of learn to deal with it at that scale, and gradually progress to be able to deal with it at an even higher scale. So, how do you then deal with it? Do you still use social media now? So I've got I've got Instagram. I, I yep. don't really I don't have the Twitter app on my phone. Um, okay. That's, I, that was a decision I made about three years ago. I just took myself. Why? Really. Okay, and okay. So I'm curious. So I'm curious. Um, why did you make that decision to not use Twitter? Was it because of the negativity that was coming from it, or was it you just want to focus on football? How? What? Because I just want to know if how do you deal with negativity brought your way? I mean, I know you touched on flipping on his head, but how do you deal with the negativity that's just thrown at you? Because you're a footballer, not because you're a human being, because you're a footballer. I think that was a coping mechanism at the time uh, to get rid of Twitter. I feel like Twitter is the easiest platform for people to, you know, voice their opinions. Yeah. And with absolute anon anon anonymity. Animosity. 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 That's the one. Mm. Um, so, <laughs> no, yeah, that's the word I was looking for. <laughs> I was going to try, let me say DCL, I was going to try, but then yeah. in my head, I knew it wasn't going to come out right. So I just said nothing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I, I actually don't think it's, yeah, yeah. 
I was like, nah, I'm not even going to try the animosity. I was like, yo, let me just leave it for I'm here. It's fine, fine. Yeah, so I think that was my coping mechanism to get rid of Twitter. And then it just became the normal for me. And I always kind of preferred Instagram if I was going to interact with fans or anything. I'd probably do it through Instagram more so. Um, But my coping mechanisms when when I've gone through tough times, particularly between the ages of like joining Everton and, and progressing to where I am now, it's, it's kind of, I've been trying to find balance, but you know, there's, there's highs and there's lows. And I think the, yeah. the key is to, to find a balance, but it's easier said than done sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So, it is, it is. You're, you're absolutely right, especially with that kind of social media, because it can become something that you want to see the good stuff, don't you, as well? But then with the good stuff, you, you're going to get the bad stuff too. So it's sort of like, do you need it at all? Well, that's it. I think if it, if it affects you when you've had a bad game, there's no reason to read it when you've had a good game. That was kind of like, yeah. I, I don't validate myself from, you know, those people's opinions. Yeah. I, I know myself when I played well and I know when I haven't played well. And my dad will be the first person to tell me. So I just removed myself from that platform to out of sight, out of mind, basically, because you know yourself as a footballer, you know, yeah, yeah. you've played long enough to know. So what, he calls you up and he's like, do you know what, Dominic, that was dreadful. Not so much now. More when I was a young young kid, he was, he was like my harshest critic. Um, really? And, I, and I'd kind of know if I'd played well because he'd talk to me in the car on the way home, like, you've done well today. And I'd know if I didn't play well because he wouldn't talk to me. <laughs> Look, I, sorry, I've got to jump in. My dad... Listen, I played 10 minutes yesterday and it was my fault we lost. It's just... <laughs> I swear to you, like... My pops has got this tongue. Like, he's a real African. He's bio. I was like, yeah, yeah, pops. Like, what is going on? I was like, raw. Yeah, you are losing again. I was like, raw. Like, well, he, he, listen, you're good. You said he stopped now. I'm going to be 39 next month. He's still ripping me. Like, I don't play about with him. Yeah, I swear to you. Right, but, we need your dad on a podcast. What? Nah, you don't want the Can smoke. LW, don't you that. don't want the smoke. I'm telling you now. But I'm with him. I'm with um, DCL in the sense where he's still, he's, he's at 38, 39, he still cares. You know what yeah. I'm saying? In the sense where man's checking the results and he's like, well, you're not doing enough in that 10 minutes then. You know, that's how, that's <laughs> yeah. what he's got for me. But then at the same time, listen, I know he's proud. So that just made me laugh. Right, so, let me touch on this though. So to be fair, um, Chris Wilder lost, his, he left Sheffield United uh, recently and that. Um so that brings me to, you worked under him at Northampton and Sheffield United. Um, how is he as a, as a man? I mean, I've come, I've come across him a few times and as a manager. Yeah, he was good. He was good for me when I was at, at Northampton. Um, particularly, you know, he, he gave me the opportunity to go and play on my first kind of league loan in League Two. Um, and I got the opportunity to score goals and be exposed to, to games and minutes and you know, he's kind of like straight to the point. He, he doesn't beat around the bush. That's the, the way he manages. And he's from Sheffield. So it's kind of like I understood him as, as a person and who he was. So I think that's why it worked. And then it kind of just, when when he became the Sheffield United manager, it just didn't work out really. I think he had a job to do and that was to get Sheffield United promoted out of League One. And to put all his trust in a 19-year-old, you know, untried really at, at that level, was probably a a, t- a tall order. So he brought in more experienced centre forwards. I fell down the pecking order, and and made my way to Everton. So it was kind of 
a blessing in disguise for me. But he was always, you know, good enough, good enough with me as a as a young player. That sort of honesty that, that we've heard, because I've interviewed him quite a few times, and obviously in, in, in the job that we do, we, we see and we hear all the other interviews that he does as well. And um, he's never shy to call out players, is he? I always remember Dean Henderson made a mistake, might have even been against Liverpool, actually. And he was post-match interview, straight on him, that can't happen, that sort of thing. And I always remember thinking, I wonder if it works. Like, I wonder how players feel. And I always believed it did work because of what he got out of them and all of those players until this season. So I just wondered whether or not it, it works for some people in the dressing room and, and not others. I think it's, it's relative to the player. You know, mm. I all know that some players lack an arm around them. Some players re- require a rollicking to, to kind of get <laughs> going. And, you know, if you've got a manager that's all out of attack, um, then the players... Certain players might go into the shell or certain players might stand up and be counted. So I think it's it's kind of works both ways. You've got different What types. player are you? DCI, what player are you? Are you a, a cuddler or like, are, are you a, you shout at me and watch, I'm going to show you. What, what, what kind of player are you? If I said a bit of both, it sounds like I'm sitting on the fence a little bit, doesn't yes, it? Yes, yes, it does. does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think... I think I like a good cuddle. Can't, I can't oh, then what's there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. you're you, you one of them strikers, yeah. brother. Come yeah. here, come here, <laughs> brother. Yeah. I need Carlo to cradle me sometimes. <laughs> I've got that in my head better. now. Carlo just giving you a cuddle, <laughs> big dunk giving you a cuddle. Yeah. I think that's why it's work, you know, he's a laid back manager who's just allowed me to, make, to express myself and to go and play. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. and he's believed in me, which in turn has extended the belief in myself. Um, you know, it's, it's, there's been other times where managers have been on me every day and it's just Dominic, Dominic, Dominic. And, you know, it, it chips away at me sometimes. So I think from my experience, I think Carlo, you know, he's been the perfect manager for me. Well, let's go back to the beginning of, of Everton because you've mentioned you made that move and it might have been a bit difficult at the time because you experienced Sheffield United fans saying whatever and then I suppose it's like kind of like it's the right move, it's the wrong move, but a big club like Everton comes in for you and I suppose you, you don't look back. And your managers and the people that you've played with, I mean, when you look at it, Ronald Koeman was the manager. You played with the likes of Lukaku, Wayne Rooney. It's been quite an incredible journey really, hasn't it? And for someone that is still so young, I still look at that and I think you signed in 2016, 1.5 million at the time. What you're giving back to that club now is incredible. And obviously you are, you are paying everything back and more and adding so much more. And when you look at the managers as well that you played under, Sam Managas was one of them as well, um, Marco Silva. We'll get on to Ancelotti and Duncan Ferguson, but yeah. how do you kind of look back at the time, the journey that you've been on and... and what did those managers and those players give to you? Just just a total learning experience. I kind of knew that even when I wasn't playing or I was playing and results weren't good and I was, you know, 20, 21 years old, just to keep keep learning and just just kind of take everything in really because that's shaped me into the, the player and the person I am today, going through the, those tough times and them highs. And I would say there's probably been more tougher times than highs up until recent, recent, like the last couple of seasons, you know. Now it's just highs, highs. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it, it was a difficult time because, you know, there was a lot of changing in managers, having to prove yourself all over again. And especially as a young player, you don't know if, if the manager's going to fancy young players in the team. But I've always kind of found my way back into the team and found my way playing. So 
I knew that as long as I was playing, I was learning and I was getting better. And it's it's that belief, I suppose, in myself of always knowing that where you are now is not always where you're going to be. So I think maintaining that belief of of kind of just keep keep progressing, keep pushing on, yeah. has helped me get to where I am today. All right, quick thing. Who was the manager that signed you at Everton? So David Unsworth signed me for the under-23s, actually. Uh, I had him for six months at Sheffield United. He was he was the youth team manager and I was an under-16. And he came in at Sheffield and he, he took a liking to me at Sheffield. And then he actually brought me to Everton for the under-23s. So I was going from being in a first team, really, at Sheffield United to signing for an under-23 squad. So, yeah. you know, in that, that can look like potentially a backward step. But it was Unzi that signed me and I think... You know, two months, three months after signing for the club, I made my, my Prem debut against Arsenal, I think it was. The rest is history, really. What I want you to explain is how hard it is, or how hard was it, to continue to find your way with all these different managers. So explain that. I mean, I'm a player, and I've been at a club where managers come in, and you're thinking, raw oh, man. You know, they start saying about... Oh, it's level. It's a level playing field, but yeah, yeah. you know it really ain't because they've got what they've got in their head, didn't it? Sort of thing. So, and like, how was it? How was that for you? And especially with the ballers, you know, you had Lukaku there, you had like Rooney there. So, just your mind frame, like, give us a little insight to that. How you touched on it? Just give us a little insight yeah, yeah. to let the people. Well, know. I'd say obviously my first season um, in the Everton first team, Big Ron was there, but then I think he he left that that first season, so. The whole narrative after that was, we need to replace Romelu. You know, we, we need a 20-goal-a-season striker. And for a long period of time, nobody thought that I was it. So there's different managers come in. There was, you know, Sam Allardyce. There was, oh, Ronnie, Ronnie Koeman. Ronald Koeman was the, was the manager at the time. And he gave me my debut. And Did you know much about Koeman? I mean, because you're a pop, innit? So, of course, I grew up watching my man, innit? So, yeah. did you know much about him or was he just a, a manager? Not like a disrespect, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah not, you know not, not being disrespectful. You know, I, I didn't really see much footage of him playing because I'm the okay. age that I am. So, obviously, I knew a, a lot about him in, in terms of from, from looking it up or whatever, but to, to see it, <laughs> I, I didn't really see it. So, he was, he was really good with young players and it was lucky, really, that he was the manager at the time because he gave me opportunity to play. And then different managers coming in, you're learning from different tactics, you know. Big Sam wasn't the same as Carlo is and Marco wasn't the same as Ronald Koeman was. So it was it was just learning that way and, and kind of once once Rom left, you know, Sandro Ramirez came in, Cenk Tosin came in and I was there through the whole time, just plugging away, plugging away. And I suppose what's always been instilled in me is that it don't matter who comes in, eventually I'll see him off. So that was yeah, all. Yeah, come on now, brother. <laughs> I like that bar. That the mentality, you know. But you got to see him off at the end of the day. It's, it's competition, so. Yeah. It must be so satisfying when eventually, like, you are given the chance and then you prove yourself right first and then you prove everybody else that didn't think you could do it wrong and you're just like, this is great. I'm playing football and I'm doing it really well and I'm doing it for a great team. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's an unbelievable feeling, and I think an okay team, an okay team. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. Yeah, it's an unbelievable feeling to to obviously be where I am today, and you're always exactly where you're supposed to be. So where I am now is where I'm supposed to be, and, and you know I've still got 
a long way to go and there's still progression to be made and improvements to be made. So at your time at Everton, you have played with some absolute giants like Wayne Rooney, Romelu Lukaku as well. Tell us about what each of those players were like and just in, in person, in training, like watching them play, what did they teach you? Yeah, I suppose when you talk about being like a little bit starstruck, when I first signed for Everton and I, I remember I first saw like Roman and Yannick in the gym, I was just passing through and I was like, whoa, you know, I used to see these guys on match of the day and now they're live in the flesh. Uh, but Big Rom in my first season, he was just great to watch. For me, I was just kind of just, his understudy and just watching how he operated, his finishing drills and things like that. And one thing about him, he could side foot the ball like people, as hard as people can lace it. And he just used to hit corners with his side foot. So yeah, I did finishing with drills with him most days really. And there was one one occasion that sticks out for me because I got a lot of time for Rom. He, I missed a header, I think, away at Hull. I'd come on a sub and the defenders unsighted me and it just hit me and gone wide in the post. And I was a bit down about it. I was sat on the coach and obviously I'm like sulking a little bit and big Rom come on the coach and just leaned over and he went like, don't worry about it, man. You know, we all miss them. I miss them. Just focus on the next one. And just that little gesture there, because he'll have been, you know, 24 at the time, same age as what I've just turned now. Um, that gesture there, I thought, you know, from, from Romelu Lukaku, Everton's number nine, well, Everton's centre forward was, you know, it was top and, 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 like part of his character and I've played against him, you know, for England now against Belgium and we give each other, you know, a little hug at the end and it was just nice to catch up with him. So I've got a, I've got a good relationship with Rom and then, and, I, and it's great to see him scoring goals again. You know, I want, mm, I want yeah. him to do, do well and score a lot of goals. You know, when he moved from Everton to United, do you feel like it was unfair criticism that he was getting? Because outside looking in, I, I, I felt like they wanted him to fail. I felt, I think he scored a lot of goals in his first season um, and listen, I'm the same with you. I'm glad he's scoring goals again for, for Inter. Did you think it was unfair or criticism that was coming his way? I think so, yeah. You look at the goals that he actually scored and, and when you look at... I mean, I don't know them exactly, but I know he scored a, a decent amount of goals in his first season. And I always think, you know, the stats don't lie. So if you, if you yeah. look at that and you, and you can't argue with it, but if there's a narrative there already or one that builds... Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's not much you can really do and at a club like Manchester United you know the, the scrutiny that you're under is, is very difficult so I did feel for him when he was at Man U There's another one that, that did Everton Man U Everton and that's obviously Wayne Rooney who we, who we spoke about a second ago was that like you said you're like a little bit starstruck maybe by the others but when he came back what was that experience like for you? That was surreal yeah it was very surreal seeing Waza for the first time it was like I'd only ever seen him on FIFA uh, and on TV, <laughs> you know, it was it was it was like the young the young child of football fan was was coming out of me, and it was, it was like that's Wayne Rooney. But it was like all my family that you know, and all your friends asked, "What's what's Wayne Rooney like? What's Wayne Rooney like?" And you're like, "He's just a normal guy, you know. He's, yeah. he's a normal, humble, humble guy." And I think once I got to know him, or once he was around the building for a couple of weeks, you know, he he just turned into Waza, and it was it's crazy to say, really, you know, having watched him as a kid. But he was really good for me because I was I was still learning my craft then, and he was that he was that senior player, and he he just gave me that confidence as well, you know, to keep going. And I thought in him thinking I was a decent player, that gave me a little boost as well. So he was really good with me and the rest of the young lads when when he was at Everton, and you know, it's a pleasure to to be able to say that I played with him. 
listen, we touched on different managers and if it makes me laugh, I think I'd enjoy playing under Allardyce. A bar be perfect running. for you. Uh, I, I, I hear they do a lot of running. I don't know if that's true, but I like the direct style Allardyce plays sort of thing. So yeah. when he came in, how was that? You know, you've had all different managers. What was the Sam Allardyce? And what's he like as a... As a as a person, he seems a larger than life, and he's a big guy. Yeah, you know, I say what was he like? There was some funny times in the Big Sam. You know, I, I enjoyed it. I think though, obviously, the style of play that he likes fed into me kind of running here, there, and everywhere, and battling, and not not scoring too many goals. So I think yeah. that kind of didn't help me scoring goals too much. But he was just quite quite funny and and easy going. Uh, but he he couldn't lose his head when he needed to, um, and I think he he just used to have like a few you know off the cuff co- comments that like halfway through training, which you know you just chuckle at and <laughs> kind of just be going about his business. And yeah, he was good. We did a lot of set pieces, spent a lot of time on set pieces and and stuff like that. So yeah, big big Sam was good to be fair. Die. cool, cool. Can I ask? I've got to ask about Duncan Ferguson because I just think he's amazing. Yeah. I think he's brilliant. And I think that in that small period of time where he was like the boss and he did that run up the touchline and he grabbed the ball boy and like I just I just think he's wicked. Like yeah. and I loved him as a player and I just think he's like he's just mad, isn't he? And he obviously sees a lot in you. And and that period of time, it was almost correct me if I'm wrong, but when he had the reins or, or when he basically had the chance to kind of coach you, because it was for obviously longer than before he had the reins for a little while, was he like, was he quite influential in, in getting you to where you are? Or like, did he teach you things? Like, what, what was that relationship like? Big Dunk has been the best possible mentor, you know, I, I could have had. He was in the first team when I, when I joined the team as a 19-year-old and he's still there now. So Big Dunk's been behind the scenes with me. From, from start to now and one thing when he when he got the manager's job is that I had the number nine shirt at the start of that season but it was almost when he when he became the manager he made me feel like the number nine it was kind of the confidence boost that I needed he, he pulled me aside straight away he said you're playing on Saturday you're my number nine you're my man basically and that was all I needed to hear because I'd never heard that before from anybody so that confidence in itself and then, thankfully, I was able to repay him with a couple of goals against Chelsea. And <laughs> just the whole emotion. And he was top. And that's, I'd say, more than anything, he's just been he's just been an ear for me to, you know, speak to whenever I've needed to. And through through the highs and the lows, when I'm going through a little goal drought, it's, you're the man, lad. You're the man. Keep keep plugging away. You're the man. That's what you said. Little, right. little cuddle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Does he cuddle? Does he give you a cuddle? <laughs> I'm sure if that's the one he give me one, but I, I, so Bet he gives you, good cuddles. You know me. what makes me laugh is because he seems old school, innit? That's what he yeah. seems like. It looks like. And Ancelotti seems real just calm and how does that dynamic run? Like, cause I know people don't answer back to Big Dunk. Like, yeah. that's what I get anyway. I get oh, Carlo. When, when he speaks. Yeah, Carlo looks like you can kind of not you you've got him out of that. He's got that, I don't know, I can't really answer Carlo back to Carlo. He looks like a Bond villain, doesn't he? A He's Bond like, villain. I'm not angry, I'm disappointed. You know, yes, that oh. exactly. Yeah, that cuts like that. deeper, in it? You're like, oh, rah. Man. Yeah, yeah. How do I come back from that? 
Yeah, you answer back to him, you'd be disappointed in yourself, I think. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Can I just tell you, like, when I have to interview him and I ask a crap question, and it happens quite a lot, I'm disappointed in myself because I see the look <laughs> in his face and I'm like, oh, I've let him down. And all I want to do is impress Carl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, he's got that aura. He's got that aura. You, know, you want to impress those him. eyes. Those yeah. eyes, they're like the, the one eyebrow that gives you, there's like one eyebrow on his face. That tells you all you need to know about what you've just said, and yeah. you're like, right, he doesn't even have to answer it. He's just I've disappointed him. <laughs> Alright, listen, we're touching on it, and we listen. We know what's the one thing Carlo's done because uh, listen, I don't want to admit it, but like Everton's a problem. Like y- y- your team's a problem. Like you, you like you, you, you lot are a problem. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like you know, so what's the one thing? Like if you can just say, what's the one thing he's done? And is it as simple as install confidence? I mean, you know what I'm saying? What's the one thing he's done? That's what I was thinking. Just You just took the words out of my mouth. I'd say belief, really. Because he comes with a certain aura of he's won things, he's achieved great things, he's managed great players. Even him just walking in the building as, as Carlo Ancelotti, I think, uplifted the place. And it was almost like, you know, We've got hit, we're carrying his reputation as well, so we've got to we've got to play well. We've got to start achieving things. So I think, on a personal note and collectively, I'd say just the belief of that we can compete at the top. Did you go like when you heard about it, and you need to like you need to tell us what the reveal was like? like did you know who was coming before he arrived, or was it like, like you know when he just walks in the room and it, they, like the reveal's like it's Carlo Ancelotti? Did you all go like, oh, it's Carlo Ancelotti? The first time I, I saw him was Dunk's last last game. I can't remember who we played. It might have been a cup game, I think, against Leicester or something at Goodison. And Carlo came in the dressing room. I think he'd been appointed that day or something. Or, yeah, something like that. And he'd come in the dressing room after the game. And, like, seeing him live in the flesh for the first time was quite surreal because, obviously, it's like... Yeah. He's a, he's a, he's a superstar, isn't he? You know, in the, in the, football, yeah. in the football game. And... He, he come in, did like a, a a cool, typical Carlo speech, you know, well done. We'll get, get ready to get started tomorrow and all that like kind of thing. <laughs> Pardon? What was that? <laughs> That's that he came, man. That sounded like he came. Oh, I, I don't know who that was, man. I don't know who. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That sounds like a Swedish DJ. Gee, all right, so listen, all right, so you know, word is that, so Carlo, he's come out and said he's kind of likened you to Inzaghi. Mm-hmm. Um, wait, first, do you know who Inzaghi is? Yeah, I knew Inzaghi, I know who Inzaghi is, Yeah. I needed to go on YouTube to... Just a young man. <laughs> Were you like, thank you, and then just quickly Google? Yeah, did you, did, did you give him the... That sounds great. Oh, gaffer. For, I, I love that gaffer. I'm thinking, yeah. but let me find out who this guy is first. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he He's got like two goals. <laughs> yeah, go watch clips of Inzaghi. That's basically what he said. He's like, you know Inzaghi? And I was like, yeah, AC Milan striker. He's like, yes, go and watch him. It's basically yeah, that. Okay. Um, oh, so nice. So I went and on. it was a compliment, essentially. Like he's he's like saying, "Listen, I've likened him to you." Da 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 da. So as that relationship blossoms between you and him, was there any part of your mind that was when he came in that was like, "Oh, I've got to do it again. I've got to like impress someone again." And what if he has a different style of play? And what if it doesn't include me? Well, this is it. I think you know, in, in with think everything happening for a reason. And he came in when I was coming into good form and I was scoring goals. So. Yeah. I was kind of like, I had that inner confidence that I was never in doubt that I was going to play. Um, 
I continued that as soon as he came in. So, and then I think it wasn't long before you know he, he said a few nice things, and that kind of settled me down even more. Should just keep playing, and he, he said like about not changing anything that I'm doing, and just keep doing more of the same. Be more focused in the box. I'm going to have to ask this question because I know Bayer doesn't want to ask it. Sorry, I've got to bring it up because we've got to talk about the Merseyside derby. Oh, man. Oh, before we Sorry. go on that, wait, wait, wait. Before we go on that, I'm trying to just stall before yeah, we get on okay. that, man. <laughs> Quick thing. So, you know, this season and I think maybe back in the last and that, it, it seems like everything's just kind of clicked with you. Like everything. So, you know, people would just take bits of your game. Like, oh, yeah, you know, he's good in the air and or he runs yeah. in and he's touch. And literally, it just looks like everything just clicked this season where you was doing everything. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Where now you can be that 20 goal man. Did you do anything different? Or was it just for you a natural progression that, look, you know what? For everything that I've learned, the strikers that's been there before me, the managers that's been there and come and gone, or did you do anything different coming into the back end of last season and this season? I don't think... I didn't do too much different, no. I think when people are kind of saying that, you know, he, he can run, he can head, he works hard, but I'm not sure he can score goals. And then I started to score goals. I think I I just had to maintain the belief when I wasn't scoring goals that the penny would drop. Yeah. Um, because if you don't, then you start to let things creep in. Um, yeah, I yeah. always scored goals when I was a kid. It was just a matter of time before the penny did drop. But I think I would say over like the last 18 months, I have incorporated things into my life out of football in terms of nutrition and, and attention to detail in, in me still learning my craft as a centre forward and incorporating people there that's, that's truly benefited me in, in helping me to where I am now. What kind of things are like? Have you done anything? Are you like, are you vegan or is have you done yoga? You better not be vegan, bruv. <laughs> I'm not vegan, no. I'm not, oh, you're not my vegan. brother. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not vegan. I'm not veggie. Um, I just eat, I eat a balanced diet and I've got kind of like my own nutritionists and things like that. That I think you look at basketball players and how they take their own, how they run their kind of themselves as a business in terms of. What, yeah. how they invest in themselves yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. they're streets ahead of, of athletes in general um, and you look at you know people in solo sports individual sports that you know have to incorporate their own team around them I think in football footballers are a little bit behind that but I think as the game's progressing and it's about small percentages people are starting to realise that you might have to incorporate your own nutritionist you might have to incorporate your own sports scientists and things like this especially at the top level, to gain that advantage. So I think that's a, a major key. That's mad, that, isn't it? Because it's, it's a no-brainer, really, when you say it like that. But I suppose because the tradition in football has always been like, everything's done as a team, you'll eat together, you'll train together. Like, But why wouldn't you, if you want to be a top, top athlete? You know, we look at all these incredible individual athletes in the world or the ones that excel in the team sports and we think, oh, they stay afterwards, they do a little bit of extra training, all this and all that. But yeah, why, why wouldn't you completely invest in yourself? Because ultimately it's your own body and you know your strengths and your weaknesses. Exactly, and it just gives that more attention to detail of, of people, you know, solely knowing your body and how you operate because obviously within the team environment, there's, there's 20, 25 players. So, you know, you've got staff that, that have to look after everybody. So it's about, you know, controlling the controllables and, and taking things into your own control if you want to kind of reach that next level. And I kind of, 
I enjoy that that detail, that structure, and and go into that level to try and be the best player I can possibly be. That was a good question, Bio. Actually, thank you very much. Thank you. It I did think that. Question, like, yeah. Thank you very, very much. Good. I'm trying. I'm learning. You see, I'm learning from you because you're winning awards now. So I figured I have to up my game. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? But you know that's what? I reckon that's why I was late today. It's not yeah, she's not. big time now. Uh, DCL, <laughs> big time. Win an award and then just yeah, be chilling yeah. and that. But I get. You know what the funny thing is? I kind of. I get what you're saying. I mean, listen, I've, I've been in the lower league, so we don't have as much as what the the elites have. I mean, you, we, we'll go to your facilities and you lot will have everything there. Yeah. But then I will say society and the game's moving, whereas, you know, when football used to finish before, you was off, but now you do a pre, pre-season. So before you go back to pre-season, yeah. you've done a mini pre-season to, yeah, yeah. to get fit for the season. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And that's just, for me, it's mad because yeah. I'm of old school, but I'm finding myself thinking, raw. Oh, but I better get on a what bike because, and this is before to get fit. <laughs> I'm getting fit to get fit for pre It's the maddest thing which football has changed. But yeah. I agree with you. I do think the, the small details, the extra percentage, percentages is what you kind of need. And I'm talking about the level I'm at. I can't even imagine for what you have to put in for the level that you're at. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. um, no, man, I, I, I totally get what you're saying. I suppose those little fine margins help when you're going to go to Anfield and you're going to play Liverpool. And um, you're essentially, you're going to beat Liverpool, aren't you, right? So you must have been thinking, like, after that game, you must have been thinking, look, all that hard work. Yeah. Um, right, doing a bit of hey, listen, like DCL, thanks for coming on. Um, let's, let's, just, let's, let's wrap up this interview. Thank you for coming on. You've been up. <laughs> I know. Listen, I'm not sour. I'm not sour. Really? Talk to man. Talk to man. No, talk to man. I like, listen, you did it. Like, you did it. You did it. You did it. And let me tell you something. I'm not even going to lie. Like I said, this season, I felt Everton. Everton's been a problem. Like, mm-hmm. so normally I'm not going to lie. I was like, and of course, last three years, especially, like, we've just been dumping on you, man. Like, just a real quick six points and that. Like, we've just been dumping on you, man. <laughs> but this year, I ain't going to lie, because I, I was nervous, because I was nervous. And then y'all just wrapped us up at Anfield. So talk to me, man. Like, what was the celebrations like? And what was, did you feel like, did you not go into that game thinking, Nah, you know what? Like, we can feel a little bit of a shift. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? What was the mindset? Chat to man. Like, what's what's uh, funny is in the in the home leg when we drew two two, I said in an interview after the game because it was always the same kind of questions and things about you know not winning or whatever. And I yeah. said in the interview, it's coming. I can feel it coming. And sure as eggs are eggs, you know, we went to Anfield and done just two nil. But um, yeah, yeah, be easy, man. <laughs> nah, I think going into the game. We, we just believed, believed more and, and I've played against Liverpool a few times now and this has been the time most when I've kind of felt, you know, they weren't in the greatest moment in terms of form. We were and it was a real pivotal moment for us that, you know, winning that game can set us up for the rest of the season and, you know, we're frustratingly we've dropped a few points here and there but it's still there for the taking if we show consistency towards the end of the season but, yeah, we, we, we believed more this season that we could achieve it. I kind of just think, though, with Everton, like, what what you've done so far, obviously you had, like, these incredible signings as well, which I did want to ask you about. You know, having, like, Hamas Rodriguez in your team and the ones that have come in, must all of a sudden, your your service and, and these 
these balls that are coming into you, you must just be like, wow, this guy is like a top player. In fact, before I move on, just, yeah, tell me what that was like and, and what he is like as a player. He's top. He's he, on the ball, you know, he's, he's one of the best I've played with. He's kind of got a wand of a left foot and he can, he's got that X factor where he can pick them passes out that not everybody sees. So for me to play with a creative player like that, it's almost I go into games knowing that I'm going to get a chance and then it's down to me to put the ball in the back of the net. And it's a different kind of way to what I was thinking, you know, maybe two seasons ago when we was in a kind of different vein of form. But yeah, to have, to have him there, he's, he's, he's a top level player. Was there a point like, so listen, we've been at clubs and that players come in and then all of a sudden you're thinking, raw, we're kind of upper enchilada now. Like, you know what I'm saying? So you're seeing these names coming. Did that penny drop like for you thinking, great, our manager's Carlo, man's got Rodriguez, got that Allen, and you start looking around thinking, wait, <laughs> we're, we're part of the big boys now. Like, it, 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 and you know what I'm saying? And you're leading the line. So you're looking back and thinking, wait, I'm leading this. You know what I'm saying? Is that, did that penny drop be like, rah? Like, we can, so, yeah, we can yeah, do when some. You, when you see the signings that came in, and for me, you know, no kind of like centre forwards coming in and things like that. And Carlo making it clear that, you know, I'm, I'm Ebb's number nine. You know, that's how I felt. You know, I'm Toffee's number nine. I'm, I'm, I'm here to, to implement what I've always set out to kind of do. And I'm here to score goals. I'm here to lead the line. So it kind of fed into my, my confidence bubble to, to know that, you know, we had, I had ballers behind me and, you know, it's down, I'm the one putting the balls in the back of the net. So I've got to be yeah. in positions to do it. So what's going to happen then? Because I'm looking at the table at the moment and um, you are now level with Liverpool, but you do have a game in hand. So sixth and seventh is is where you are at the moment. So how do you feel about top four? And is this kind of, when you're all getting motivated about things, are you saying, right, we want top four? We, are you saying like, we're top six is good? What, what's the motivation? It's pushing for Europe, you know. Yeah. That's, that's the main focus. That was the main focus at the start of the season is, is the play in Europe. And I think we look at where we are now and we've got an opportunity to push for top four and push for the Champions League. So I think you've got to aim as high as possible. And at very least, you know, we, we want to play in the Europa League. But I think we look at where we are in the table and we want to reach that little bit higher to between now and the end of the season. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to move on to England because, I mean, obviously it's a great day for you. When you look at all the players and all the talent that, that is available at the moment for England, do you feel in that same kind of way that you, you're talking about, the way that you look at Everton and think, wow, we're good? Do you look at this England side and think, we could actually achieve something huge here? 100%, yeah. I was looking at the team that's been called up literally mm. 15 minutes before this call. And, you know, you look at the, the ability and, and the talent that's in the team and the, the age range of, of young players and senior players and it's a fantastic time to be an England player and it's for myself it's a fantastic time to be in the team and you know I'm wanting to go into this England team and, and achieve things and score goals and win things so there's no better time to be involved. So you know when you went like when you got called up so we've talked to a couple England men that's come up and then talking about training and that so uh, listen you're a natural naturally confident brother we get that. So was you nervous going into like your first training and like talk to us about that whole experience? Like, did you know a couple men? Were you like, listen, I'm going to go sit with, sit with my man just because I don't really know like the runnings and that. Talk to us about the whole England and of course 
the level. Because whenever we interview somebody who's part of the national team, always talk about the standard, the standard of training, that it's like match day vibes. So I want to know your take on that. Yeah, so I was lucky really that I played with a few of the boys in the 21s. So I knew a, co- a few of the lads coming in, there was a couple of lads from the Toffees in there. So in, in terms of that, I felt pretty comfortable. You know, I played against a lot of these lads over the years, so kind of knew of them or if, if I didn't know them. And one thing I thought, which was, was, was brilliant for me, was it was like a really welcoming group. It wasn't, it wasn't like clicky or anything like that. All the lads kind of gelled really well. And that's what I noticed straight away. And then in terms of the, the standard... I would say that in the small side of games, everything's just bang, 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 bang. It's, it's just slick. Everything's sharp. You've got to be on your toes. And it's just everything's that little bit quicker. Um, so the standard is is higher because um, there's, there's top players in there. We had Declan Rice on this podcast a few months ago and he was saying that when he was looking at some of those players in training, just in training, I think he said Sterling, didn't he? When he saw, when he saw Raheem Sterling, he was just like, Oh my God! Like Rashford, he said Rashford. So good. Did he say Rashford? Yeah, Sorry, Rashford. Marcus. Who was the one that when you went into training first, you looked at and you were like, "Wow, this is this is mad." I don't know. It's hard to say really because I've been playing against these guys for a few seasons now. I think when when yeah, but ain't it different in training? Like because like, it's just like when I play against a couple centre backs or players in yeah. a game, you kind of just see. If they're, they're having a good game, it can be a one-off. They're having a bad game, it can be a one-off. But then when you train with them, you're like, raw. Oh, oh, I saw that. Who was you know, that performance? Yeah, who was just like, when you was like, raw. this guy's a baller, baller. Like, yeah, <laughs> My favourite player, Jack Grillo. He's top, man. Yeah. Grealish, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's just naturally gifted footballer. Um, and for me... He's just he's a joy to watch, and I think if I could if I could watch any player play, it'd probably be him because he just he can do everything, and he's exciting, and he tries to make things happen. And then I seen him up close in training, and because he's quite like a relaxed guy, you know, as soon as he's he's on the training pitch and the ball comes out, he's just operating on a on a different level for me, and and for me to play with him as a centre forward, they're the types of guy, guys you want to play with because he's he's making things happen, and he set set my debut goal up as well, so. The player I was most impressed with was probably Jack Grealer. That's interesting, though. Did it surprise you that it took a while for him to get to that stage and, and to get that call-up? Because it was a bit of a sort of a public outcry, wasn't it? Where everyone was like, when's he going to be included? When's he going to get his chance? Then when he did get included, when's he going to get his start? Well, obviously, seeing him up close and personal, I've seen how, how good of a player he was. And, and, you know, watching the league, I've seen what he was doing in the league. So I think it was only a matter of time until... He got his chance. He just had to stay consistent and keep doing what he was doing. And, you know, finally he's got it. And when he played, I thought he did really well. Talk about that debut goal for you, because that must have been like, before you're like, you're going to bed the night before a game, you're thinking about how you want it to go. Mm-hmm. And obviously you're thinking, I want to score a goal. What was it like? When I scored the goal, obviously there's no fans there. So there wasn't that raw emotion of, of kind of like the adrenaline rush, but when the ball hit the back of the net and you kind of heard a little like roar from the, the players that were Depends. in the stadium and the coaches and things like that, I kind of like did this and like looked to the sky of more, it was like, if you can imagine you've, you've thought about something your whole life and you've invested everything you, you've kind of got into achieving that moment and then the ball finally hits the back of the net for England and you're wearing a number nine shirt and 
it was like a re- it was like relief really to kind of know that I'd, I'd scored on my England debut. The whole scenario didn't really hit me until I actually got home. I think I was in a bubble of you know just one thing after another. You know, you're thinking about the next game and and I scored and I was doing interviews and things like that. So it was quite a whirlwind, but to kind of achieve that and and on my debut. I, I I was thinking a little bit, you know, how proud my family would have been, and mm. I couldn't wait to speak to like my mom and my dad and things like that, just to just to say, you know, I've done it. No one can ever take that away from me. Um, that's huge. Yeah, so that's wicked, man. That's sick, man. That's that's that, I, I, it. Kind of don't get no bigger than that. Yeah, I, I mean, unless you're scoring in a World Cup final, I suppose. Um, True, you did that as well. Yeah, did that for the twenties. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what you brought that up? <laughs> yeah. Light work, yeah. Don't do your own horn on, yeah. Two, two, yeah. Two, two. <laughs> Wait, what was better though? Which one was better? No, no, one the England senior one, I think. Yeah, the, the senior goal. It's, it's it's what you strive for as a young boy to play for England. So, alright. So, what's Gareth Southgate like as a manager? Is he a cuddler man? I mean, what's he like? I bet he's a cuddler. <laughs> he seems like a cuddler. Well, I've, obviously, I've only been involved in two camps so far, but he's, he's quite... He's similar to Carlo, really, in, in his temperament. You know, he's, he's quite cool, calm and collected, I think. And, you know, he, he keeps his, his cool and he's, he's brilliant for the, for the young lads that come in the team. And obviously, for me, as a, as a it was like my first call-up and then my second call-up. It was just like a welcome and I felt comfortable. And that was the main thing. And... One thing him and the gaffer and Steve Holland said was, you know, don't do anything different to what you've been doing at your club. That's what's got you here. So, you know, come and come and be you and, and play how you play. And that's what I kind of liked, really. Talking of being you, we can't let you go without speaking fashion a little bit. Because I think it's one of my favourite things in the world of football when you just need something to be a little bit different and just like... For me, it was just like the most refreshing thing is is to see you and your mate, Tom, <laughs> going to New York, dressing in these amazing clothes that probably would only look good on you two, by the way. Like, yeah. I cannot. I look at bio and I think you couldn't. I'm not going to lie, DCL. I, look, I ain't going to lie to you. She she bigging you up out here because, like, <laughs> I, 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 listen, I can't pull it off. So <laughs> I couldn't. <laughs> You're going for the muscle fit tees, aren't you? I'm going to go for the fit. I'm going to go for the fit. He does like his fashion, though. He's always like, is it good in the black or is it good in the white? And yeah, then you've got to like, which come on now. On? I'm always like, I don't know, they look the same. <laughs> I'm a creature of habit. It works. I'll stay with it. <laughs> Sorry, Dominic. Anyway, so like, so was there inspiration behind it? Were you like, we're going to get these these clothes, we're going to take these pictures, or were you? is that just what you wear all the time? That's what was funny. It was all completely like off the cuff. Um, <laughs> the pictures that kind of... Because we were behind in, t- in time zone, everything was kind of coming through in a delay over in England. So we'd like wake up, woke up the next morning and seen that like Sky Sports had got hold of it or whatever. And for us, we were just like kind of ex- expressing ourselves and being who we are in, in, outside of football. And mm. with the outfits, we, we actually got them the day before from, a, from a, a shop in New York. We was just out shopping or whatever and, and sightseeing or, or whatnot. And I got the outfits and then there was like loads of photographers because we went to um, like a fashion show and there was loads mm. of photographers knocking around and I think one of them happened to be to know who we were. He was an Everton fan, funnily enough, Toffees everywhere. Wow. And And then a couple of others caught wind of it and then next thing you know, it was... So oh, wow. 
we were just walking down the street and then just embracing it really it was a, it was a really good experience and I, I loved it to be fair and it's just just who, who we are really would you do any more modeling and what do you do outside football you know what because i i think it's massively important to have a balance you know what i'm saying yeah. um to be able to switch off to be able to have stuff that other things that you enjoy would you you know is dcl would DCL come out with a line of modeling little branding that? You get me? <laughs> I think my, the thing I'm most passionate about is wearing clothes. You know, I like wearing nice clothes more more than anything um, yeah. and putting wacky things together and, and trying to make it look good. It's the experimenting that I quite enjoy. Uh, whether I'd come out with my own thing, I'm not too sure. Maybe in, in the future. Um, like DCL drops though. Oh, I'd look at, hey, send me a DC. This is what I'm saying. I, I, even though you're Everton, man will still rep your stuff. So really? send me a DCL, nice. send me a DCL fitted top though, so I can show the arm. <laughs> like, it's got to be fitted, brother. It's got to yeah. be fitted. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> right, listen, we've got to let you go. We could chat for hours, yeah. but obviously you're a busy man and, and we've got things to do. So no, um, thank you. Loved having you on. Nice. The timing of it couldn't be more perfect as well. Congratulations on getting called back up. It's amazing. Happy birthday too. And, and good luck. Go and smash it this summer. Thank All right, blessings, much. my brother. All right, yo, top man. All the best, my brother. Bye, yeah. It's been a pleasure, man. Pleasure. Hi, my G. There we go, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, another exceptional guest and a very nice guy, isn't he? Yeah, he's cool, man. You know what I'm saying? Even though, like, you know, he bleeds blue and that, you know what I'm saying? And toffee's this and toffee's that. You know, he was getting that in and that, you know what I'm saying? But, nah, he's a cool guy, man. And congratulations on the England call-up and all the best as long as they finish behind Liverpool. Absolutely. <laughs> well, again, I'm neutral, so, you know, I don't mind. Um, but thanks for coming on, Dominic. And sorry about bio shirt. Like, it's just way to make him feel comfortable, isn't it? No, I was just um, trying okay. to make him feel blessed, you get me? <laughs> it is time now to look at the Super 6 fixtures for round 44. Download the Super 6 app, create an account, play for free by predicting the scores of six chosen matches, and you could be in with a chance of winning a whopping £250,000. Someone nearly did it. Someone nearly did it midweek. And I think what happened was one extra goal was scored and they missed out. And yeah. it was like devastating. I saw Tim Sherwood on Soccer Saturday. Yeah, man, I, I see Special it. Doing it, it. Was, it was it was the last minute goal. I think Emerson scored it. Oh gosh. Yeah, it was Chelsea. Oh my days. He was sitting there, potentially gonna take a quarter of a mil. Oh. And then I, I said it, I ain't gonna lie, but if it was me. I'd, I'd go and see Emerson. and I, I, It's not even his fault. He's just doing his job, but I'll have to bear it. hug him or something. You know what I'm saying? Come outside. Come outside. <laughs> oh, just want to chat. <laughs> anyway, another reminder as well, you can invite your mates to join Super 6. Then if any of your invited mates go on to win the jackpot, then you yourself win £25,000. That's how it works. Jeez. Okay. Right. Prediction time now. So uh, here's our fixtures. We're going to just bosh them out and then hopefully give you lots of inspiration or just go completely against us. Right, the first one, Bio Norwich taking on Blackburn. I'm going to say 2-1 Norwich. I'm going to say an easy win for Norwich, um, 2-0 for me. Watford, Birmingham. I think Watford are flying at the moment, so I'm going to say 3-1 Watford. I'm going to say a little bit tight for that one. I'm going to say... 2-1 2-1 Watford. Barnsley against Sheffield Wednesday. What do we think of this one? Barnsley beat us yesterday. So I'm going to say 2-0 Barnsley. 
2-0 Barnsley. Do you know what? Barnsley are absolutely flying at the moment. Have they lost a game? They haven't no. lost a game in like three, six, nine, ten games. That's how I count things up. Apologies. So for that one, oh, I think I'm going to say, I'm going to say 1-0 Barnsley for that one against Sheffield Wednesday. I think they're going to keep it up. Okay, Reading against QPR bio. I'm going to say 1-1. One, one. Ooh, do you know what? Charlie Austin Faithful, I'm going to say QPR going to beat Reading at the Majeski Stadium. I know that's a tall order. 1 0. Tight okay, game. Okay, tight game. Millwall Borough. I think this is going to be a tight game, so I'm going to say 2 2. I'm going to say 1 1 for that one, actually, at the Den. Yeah, 1 1. And the last fixture, Stoke Derby. What do you think? I'm going to say 1 0 Stoke. I'm going to say 2 1 to Stoke in that one. Right, that is it. Another brilliant podcast. Love that one. Bio, you're back next week. You're not going anywhere, are you? No, no, man. I'm here for good, man. I right, listen, shout out DCL for that. You know what I'm saying? He was good. We're on Twitter and Instagram, so you can follow us at yeah. Super6. If you're enjoying this, then please hit the like and subscribe so that the podcast can download automatically each week. You could be totally lazy and it would just pop up and it'd be us being like, oi, like, come and listen to us. And it'd be someone like Dominic Havitt-Lewin or some other, some other top-tier English talent by us. Yes, come on now. That's how we do it in the show. So thank you so much for listening. Again, we'll see you next week. And if you feel like it as well, just give us a little five-star rating and a bit of a review as well because our bosses like it and they give us like much less of a hard time if you yes, say that do. you're enjoying it. It just makes it easier for us, doesn't it? All right, that's it. Thank you very much. See you next time. See you next time. Peace.